Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to a battered and bruised edition of Outside the Sheds. Sheadheads, I think you know why I'm going and starting with the battered and bruised edition of this podcast. And that's because your Shedadamas took a couple shots of the ribs, an overhand right to the left temple. I think that's how that works out. And I went down for a standing eight count. But here's the thing. The finals isn't over. And just because I took a little bit of a beating this week does not mean we won't rebound and come out of this. This is the worst finals week in predictions that I've had since we've been doing this. And guess what? Just like the Penrith Panthers, I'm going to have to take a gigantic bite of the humble pie and understand I got it handed to me. We went two for six. We went two for six this last week. And uh, I can't say that I saw it coming. I think of all the games that I missed, the one that I just had creeping in the back of my mind to go the other way was the Western Bulldogs and the uh, Port Adelaide Power. I just, you know, I picked... Port Adelaide to possibly win the flag at the beginning of the season. I said it would be between them and Richmond. Well, Richmond didn't even make the finals. We won't talk about that. But I really, really, really felt that this could be Port Adelaide's year. I think they, I thought they had everything in place. But that being said, the Western Bulldogs were the hottest team. They were the team that everyone had counted out. I think they, th- they felt that they were the team that really... Uh, had a point to prove since they'd been in the top four almost the entire season, except for that late, that you know, the last second fall off where they finished by percentage points and, and finished in fifth instead of fourth to the uh, Brisbane Lions. And I could have gone that other way. And I and as as the game was starting and I kind of sat back, I was like, ah, this doesn't feel right. Well, we know the rest. But let's start. I'm jumping ahead. You know, I'm all worked up. I'm probably still coming off with a little... Uh, uh, I probably should have been rested for a week from the concussion, like forced, the, br- the blunt force trauma to the head that I received from this week's games. But let's go into the quick breakdown of uh, finals week one for the NRL, and then we'll progress farther. It started off Storm 40, Sea Eagles 12. I, you know, I don't know what else you have to say. I, I guess what I would say here is this is what happens when you drink the Kool-Aid. And I drank the Kool-Aid the Maroon Kool-Aid, thinking, listening to the pundits, thinking that Manly was the team coming out on top, going to run over the top of, of, of Craig, Belly, Craig Bellyache. See, that's what happens when you try to mix names. When you try to run over Bellyache and the boys, and it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Uh, Craig Bellamy, again, putting together a masterful coaching performance and getting that team up. And we're going to go into that in further detail when we get a a, a deeper breakdown of these games. Roosters 25, Titans 24. Man, the Chooks just hang on, don't they? Every time you want to bet against these guys and think they are done, they just keep getting back up. And they proved it again. They just just weathered the blows. They weathered the punches. They weathered the punches. And, And if you listen to Trent Robertson, they still haven't put in the performance that he thinks this team can have. And he's hoping it's coming up the next two weeks, starting with this week against Manly. 
but he thinks this team still has a lot more strike left into him, and it's going to be fascinating to see. Rabito 16, Panthers 10. I didn't start with this one, but I guess we should have, you know, because we stay in order around here on outside the sheds. But the Panthers, you know, the team that everyone said, the hottest team, the team on the strike, even though they didn't win the minor premiership, everyone thinks Penrith, 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 uh, that everything's going to go through Penrith and that they are going to uh, come out on top after the season that they had last year where they just couldn't bring home the, the, the trophy. This is their year. And what happens? A Wayne Bennett's team that's been dominated by this by this Penrith squad over and over and over again. Uh, you you know, let's not even talk about the beatdown in Dabo that happened earlier in the season. And Wayne Bennett, old Clint Eastwood, you know, he gets he brings the best out of his team. Again, we're gonna go into more detail. And then finally, Eels 28, Knights 20. Wow. I, the Newcastle Knights have never been pretty all season, okay? They've won ugly games. They have lost ugly games. The, you just couldn't say that the Newcastle Knights have been just this purring machine all season. But somehow they find their way into the eight, and they go up against the Parmata Eels, and they look like they have every, I don't want to say every right to win that game, but they were right there to win that game. They were right there to win that game. Um, and again, the Eels find a way to win, find a way to get to week two, and uh, in, in a huge matchup. Again, we'll go into this. But I think to me, it was just really, really good to see Mitchell Moses playing the football. I think a lot of us expect him to play. And I think one of the things about that is we see what Mitchell Moses can do when he's healthy. But we also see, and this is the most important part, we also see what running can do for Mitchell Moses. When Mitchell Moses is comfortable and can run and can try to slice apart a defense with his legs, not just from kicking, not just from passing, but running, taking on the line, you see the difference the team plays, how the excuse me, how different the team plays, but also how different and how Mitchell's confidence goes up. And I think the only way that they they win their next round is he's got to do the same thing. He's got to do the same thing. Um, and that's what we don't know. We don't know. We haven't seen Mitchell put together two weeks of a performance like that in the finals. And for them to get over Penrith, that's what they're going to have to do. And that's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to play excellent. Excellent. But that is this coming weekend. We're talking about last weekend. An incredible performance by Mitchell Moses putting his team on his back, and doing some pretty, pretty incredible things. Now, let's go into a little bit, a deeper dive into this weekend's uh, Finals Week 1 games. And we started by me kind of talking about the storm, and I want to talk, go a little bit farther into that. Um, and it's, you know, Ryan Pappenhausen. This guy that you heard me talk the last couple of weeks that I thought Nico Hines should be in the starting position, let's bring in Pappenhausen off the bench. And... Well, that's why Bellyache is the coach, and I am your Shed Adamas. Because Bellyache, even though he knows he's got Pappenhausen for the future and not Nico Hines past this season, stays with his guy. And you've heard all in sports that you do not lose your position due to injury. You lose your position from getting beat out by it or for it, 
but not because of injury. And I think that's Bellyache's feeling. I think he'll always play the player he thinks is the best. You know, don't get me wrong there. But I think he knows what Ryan Pappenhausen can be. And he's got to stick with that. And he's being rewarded. Because Pappenhausen getting his two tries, going for five for six for conversions, really, really, really stepped up. Getting to that elite player that we saw earlier in the season before his concussion. And that's scary for the rest of the competition to think about. Is this guy, again, getting another week of rest now because they've won, but he's firing and he's playing well and I think he's only going to get better as, as they get and as they draw closer to the finals. Now, even with that being said, I don't think that Ryan Pappenhausen was the reason that the Storm were firing. I think you have to look at only one man. And that guy is is Cameron Munster. And this guy is a big game player. He's so big game that a lot of people thought he wasn't even going to play in this game because of the infection he had in his knee that had to be cleaned out. He had a big strap on his knee. We talked about this last week going into the match. He had a big strap on his knee and, and had stitches in his knee. And this guy shows what greatness is. You would have never, you know, unless all this big talk before the game had happened about his, you would have never known he was playing with an injury. He just exploded right out of the gate. He had those quick twitch muscles were going. He, you could see he was active. His eyes were moving. He was bouncing around. He was looking. He was, he's pretty much the reason why the Maroons won State of Origin last season. And that's what he did again. He just. He put his team on his back, showed, I've got this, I'm here. You know, it, it was it was master class. It was just master class. He had two line break assists, two try assists, and two tackle breaks. Just to set that, just to set that kind of that 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 wheel into motion and getting that storm, the, that hurricane force storm blowing. I'm telling you, Cameron Munster is one of the most fun players to watch because of the strike that he can he can produce, but also just the artistic flair that he can sometimes bring to the game. Let alone he's a rugged SOB. I'm saying you don't see him go down with injury often. You don't see him miss games often. He is, again, the reason. And I think this game right here, we didn't see Cameron Munster doing tons and tons of this stuff all season, right? But now that we're in the finals... This is what he lives for. He lives for these big game moments. And I think we saw that. We saw that again. And I can't say, and I can't see us not seeing it for the rest of the finals. But I guess the only drawback for the Storm and that this performance was the facial injury to the hectic cheese. And it sounds like he's tested out. It sounds like he's doing better. It sounds like he's going to be able to play uh, in, in, a, in a fortnight. But... Again, it's always worrisome because I do think that 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 Brandon Smith is very, very important to that team, and I think you can see that Bellyache is starting him and bringing in his sub from the bench, bringing in his his second gun. But I think that 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 it's key that Brandon Smith is going to be able to play and that he is fine. Um, and that he's good and he's going to check out. Now, on the other side of the fence here, we have to look at Manley. 
you know, a Manly Storm team, excuse me, a Manly Seagulls team, a Manly Storm team, a Manly Seagulls team that came in to this final series probably playing the hottest football of any club. And they got manhandled. The, the Storm pretty much made Tommy Turbo non-existent out on the field. And I, if, if, going into this game, that's the last thing anyone thought was going to happen. They thought that they were going to either have to keep up with Manly or, or there, there was no way that Trevojevic was going to be held off the scoreboard or he was just going to be pretty much non-existent. And that's what happened. And so this really, this is really a come-to-Jesus time for the Sea Eagles because they have to look at themselves in the mirror and know they have to put a, get together a better performance going up against the Roosters this week, which is just going to be a gun match, plain and simple. But... What Manly team is going to step up? I'm saying they're one for seven for their last finals, last seven final performances. Um, so they don't, they haven't had the greatest record in the finals recently. But they have the team to do it. The question is, how big of a blow this loss was to their psyche and to their feeling and belief in themselves. And we'll have to wait to see that. Now, I also now want to go in deep, deep, deep dive into that Panthers Rabbitohs match. Now even though old Clint Eastwood did Clint Eastwood things by opening up match officials' eyes to some shenanigans in the kicking game of the Penrith Panthers, the real story to me in this game was the Rabbitohs defense. This is the first time all season that the Penrith Panthers have been held to 10 points or less in a competition in, in a game. That's incredible. Especially since, what, they gave up 50, I think, to them when they played in Dabo? The defense, the defense, the defense. And I, I think this is Wayne Bennett's... I'm not telling you anything you don't know. This is Wayne Bennett. This is old Clint Eastwood's gift. Is He has a way of taking pressure off his players and bringing the best out of them at big, big moments. And you tell me who picked the Rabbitohs to go in and beat the Penny Panthers. I, I, I don't know anybody who did. And they didn't show you any reason why you would think otherwise. But it really makes you look at who maybe did the smartest thing for his club. Because Wayne Bennett rested a lot of his key players in the last round. And Ivan Cleary thought that his Panthers needed to play together as a force to build up momentum going into the finals and let's just keep it let's just keep it business as usual. And the crazy thing about that is if 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 the Rabbitohs get blown out and the Panthers run over the top of them, everyone's then questioning Wayne Bennett on him resting his players and thinking, well, you know, maybe that's why you don't give guys time off like that, you know, you just, you know, they're going to lose strike, they're going to lose cohesion, they're going to lose that type of thing. So it's a slippery slope, and and the result's going to dictate where the narrative goes. But the narrative goes this way, one team looked really really fresh, the bunnies, and one team looked like they were in quicksand and couldn't get into drive, the Panthers. And some people can say that it was, they were off from the beginning, the first moment that there was uh, a warning about, watch out for kicker interference, watch out for that, that they were never the same, that Cleary's kicking game was all thrown off. I don't know. 
You, I guess you could say that was the case. But one team was definitely there and definitely ready to strike out in a fight from the beginning. And one team just looked like they couldn't get it going. And to me, that, that was really fascinating. I did not see that coming. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming because of how Penrith has played all season. And they were healthy. And they just couldn't move. They just could not go. They were dominated. Dominated by the Rabbitohs defensively. And now you've got questions. You've got questions all over the board. You know, you've got a big matchup set up now between the Eels and the Panthers where whichever team loses, there are going to be some real questions being asked of the coaches, of the ideology, of what they're thinking of doing. You know, does the loss, you know, does a Parramatta loss mean that Brad Arthur next season is his last season? Some people think he might get fired if they lose. I don't think he will, but that's still up for debate. And then Ivan, Ivan Cleary. You know, he's had a destructive side for two seasons in a row, and he doesn't have the trophy to show for it. And they here's Ivan's saving grace. He's got a, probably another two seasons of having an elite team like this be able to that will be able to do some dangerous, dangerous things. But you don't want to let that linger. You don't want to let that kind of hang over the top of this team that they just have not performed up to expectation. And so that's going to be a real, a real talking point and something that I think we're going to have to really, really watch after this weekend, uh, especially after the result. Now, the thing that really gets thrown off is if, if it's a really, really close game, does anybody say anything? But if it's a blowout, Watch what these pundits say. Watch what these people say in these boardroom meetings that were going to occur at these clubs. And it's going to be fascinating to watch all the way around. But, again, that's the theatrics. That's the Hollywood behind all of this. Speaking of Hollywood, the last thing I want to touch on are those Sydney Roosters. Those diehard batteries. And when I say Hollywood, there's only one guy I talk about when I say that, and that's Hollywood Sam Walker. This guy doesn't start is a rookie. They put him in in clutch situation late. He gets the key field goal to give the one-point lead, 25-24, over Gold Coast. And then when it looks like the defensive structure is set up for the Rabbitohs to hold the Titans at bay, the Titans break free. They're running free down the, on the, on the, down the sideline. And who makes the key tackle to kind of throw everything in flux Hollywood Walker. Sam Walker makes that tackle. And I think that tells you everything about this kid. Is that he is not going to give up on a play, one. That he's got ice water in his veins to kick to make that kick. And I go, again, I know, was there interference? You know, did your, Jared, JWA, Jared, Warrior Hargraves throw his hip out there and throw off Mitch Rain? Okay, whatever. You know, every team does it. All teams put a little bit of interference in. To me, that's no different than when I was a quarterback for my football team. I would, on a pass play, would look at my tackle and say, do not let anybody hit me from the blind side. I don't care if you give them a little bit of a tug, just slow them down that extra split second to let me get the ball away. That's all that's happening here. And every team does it. Every team has their version of how they try to draw some type of interference or slow down to the play. All of them do it. The question is, 
Now with these coaches mumbling and rumbling about it, and now that the fans know about it, what do the referees do about it? We'll have to see. We'll have to see. But that doesn't, to me, take away from what the Roosters did, how the Roosters once again take all the shots and somehow still find a way to win games. They find a way. Now, I will tell you, just like I was talking about other players, Cameron Munster, being the key to that victory and being that, that I guess, that light in the lamp that really kind of got the blaze going. To me, it's a no-brainer. The one guy that did that, a lot of people have been talking about Teddy. Teddy's always going to do Teddy type of things. But if you've listened over these last few years at the Chooks, the guy that is the reason this team fires is Victor the Inflictor. And Victor was back to doing his inflict his inflicting things, taking shots where he took that shot to the ribs where he was laying there on the ground for a little bit. And a lot of people would say, wow, is he going to be able to finish? How bad is that injury? To him getting up in the next possession of the ball, having a try assist because of a breaking run up the middle of the field. Victor Radley is key. He is key, key, key for the Roosters to do the things they want to do because he's just, he's destructive, but he's got a flair for the attack. He's just a special, special player. And he's funny too. That always helps, right? That always helps us that do media or, or do podcasts. You want to hear this guy get interviewed. You want to see him have that kind of smirk that he knows an inside joke that you don't know. He's a special guy. He's a special talent, and he's a bright spot in the league. But he can play, and that's the most important thing. The guy can play. So he's going to be huge in the next match against Manly, what he does, how he takes it to Manly, and what type of offense he can provide for the Chooks. Because, again, this is an understrength Sydney Roosters club. That's going up against a team that on that has the strike to put people to the sword quite easily. And we're gonna have to see that. We're gonna have to see what happens there. Now, with all the goodness we're talking about for the Sydney Roosters, we have to now talk about the really sad, sad part, and that is the Gold Coast Titans. That was a gut-wrenching loss for the Titans. And I'm gonna say watching that match. To me, the most dangerous-looking team on the field was Gold Coast. There was a simmering underneath the surface, the Gold Coast, that they need that they wanted to be released. You know what I'm saying? Like that they were ready to explode. Now the Roosters kept them at bay and and let the, you know had some big defensive stops at times, frustrated them at times. But it felt a couple times that if Gold Coast could have just got a try here or there, that they could have really put the foot down on the accelerator. But again, the Roosters did what they do, and they, they survive, they survive, they survive. But that doesn't take away the fact to me that the Gold Coast Titans were the most dangerous side on the field that game. And I think with that run down the field at the end, where they looked like they were going to be able to get that try that they needed to win, I think Corey Thompson's reaction to the bad pass that went out of bounds his reaction I think told the whole story for that for that 
that game, that team, in some in some instances that season for Gold Coast. Because Kazi usually doesn't get that upset about anything. I'm saying he's been one of my favorite players for a while. I'm saying I, I thought that was a huge, huge, a, a huge mistake. One of the many mistakes that Madge McGuire did and the, the Tigers. But how many mistakes have the Tigers done in releasing players they shouldn't be releasing and letting go? But I think I think Kazi, Corey Thompson, was a huge, huge, huge uh, asset to that team. And I would have never taken him out of the number one, personally. I just think he's got that it. And when I was in that match, um, when I was at the uh, Eels versus Tigers match on Easter Sunday a couple years ago, Corey Thompson was probably, to me, one of the best players on the field. And you look at him, and there's he's, he's not the biggest guy either, but he just always makes a key play. He makes at least one key play a game for whatever team he plays for. He's, he's special. He's just special. But I think his reaction, that usually he's smiling and pretty cool, non-demonstrative, said it all. But uh, gut-wrenching loss. And um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know. You, you, there's some major changes getting ready to happen for the Gold Coast Titans. I think they're heading in the right direction. But there's some major changes happening there this, this offseason. So we'll have to wait and see. But... What we get now because of these two outcomes is an incredible, incredible rivalry. A 2013 Grand Final revisited Sea Eagles versus the Roosters. I can't wait to watch this match. I cannot wait to watch this match. I don't know if I said that again. I cannot wait to watch this match. So that's our breakdown, a little bit of our rundown of of the matches that we got to watch together and, and to take in. Uh, from from finals week one but let's go into the 40 20 and some of the big stories that have I guess come together since we've talked last and my big one that I started with is something that happened from that that Roosters match and and Gold Coast match and that's Sam Barrels Sam Barrels has copped a two-match ban a two-match ban for a grade two careless high tackle on Brian Kelly now he with the Roosters opted against accepting a one-game ban by taking an early plea and said, we're going to fight this. And guess what? They should have fought this. To me, Shedheads, this was the biggest joke that I've seen for a very, very long time in the NRL. And we've had a lot of jokes this season with tackles, high tackles, uh, the crackdown after the bungle from the bunker. against, And it always seems to be the Roosters on front and center when we talk about this. But I don't know if you've seen the tackle. Brian Kelly is running towards Sam Barrels. Sam Barrels gets into a stance that he's ready for impact to, to inflict a tackle. But he's waiting more for Brian Kelly. He's not charging Brian Kelly. He's waiting there. Brian Kelly falls forward. Sam Barrels is bracing for contact. Brian Kelly falls into Sam Barrels' shoulder and takes it right to the schnoz. Right to the schnoz. And over he goes. Now, we both know from watching Brian Kelly, we all know from watching Brian Kelly, he's a tough dude. And Brian Kelly does not stay down on the ground unless he's been rattled or really shaken up. Okay? He did. He laid there. But you can't pin that on Sam Verrills because Brian Kelly falls into his shoulder. You just can't. I'm saying, what is he supposed to do? He can't go invisible. He's not going to step to the side because he doesn't know that Brian Kelly's going to fall forward. 
You cannot make that. You've now cost the guy two matches. He, his next game, if they make it to the grand final, is the grand final, right? And he didn't do anything wrong. Was it bad? Yes. But Brian Kelly came back and played. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And if you've listened to people that have played the game at a high, high level, Andrew Johns has talked about it. So many people have talked about it saying, this is, you know, this is just, it's, it, it's a farce. You can't make these decisions and these calls. And if you don't remember, Shedheads, look back at older copy. Look at back at older episodes of Outside the Sheds. I said that the bunker and the officials were going to make a mistake in the final series and you just hope it doesn't cost a team. But I said, look at the law of average of what's happened that it was going to rear its ugly head and that a team was going to be affected. And lo and behold, here we go. The Roosters are affected at the dummy half position and they're going to once again have to try to put a little duct tape on the injury and go forward. But they shouldn't have to. Not in this case. Not in this case. Because there's a lot of other worse tackles and collisions that happened this last weekend that didn't get anything. So I, I don't know. I, I, I am frustrated. I think most fans are frustrated on what the NRL has done. We just keep our fingers crossed this, this offseason. They're going to come together and get their heads out of the uh, sand. We'll say the sand. Because the only people that are hurt by this are us, the viewing public. Because we don't know how a game is going to be officiated, refed. We don't know what's going to happen. And so, again, frustrating, upsetting. I'm sorry for the Roosters because, again, they, they take another one to the chin. Um, but we'll see if the Roosters continue to do what the Roosters do. And that's just battle on, fight on. Now, in origin news, and this is the one, you know, a lot of people said they might have seen this coming, but the Queensland Rugby League has allegedly offered Billy Slater a three-year contract to be the new head coach for the Queensland Maroons. I think a lot of us expected this. I think a lot of us thought this was probably the guy they were going to go with over JT and, and Cameron Smith, uh, Cooper Cronk. Not that I think Cooper even wants. I think Cooper's got a good gig. I don't think he wants to be the head coach. But Billy Slater, is he the guy to take the Maroons forward? To me, the key with Billy Slater is because Billy Slater was coached by Belly Ake. He's got a great mind. He He's meant for coaching. Is who assistants are going to be. Because I think to put together a coaching st- side – that is what's going to determine what he does and how well he does it in the coaching world, in the coaching realm. He's got to put together a great assistant coach and a great coaching, excuse me, coaching staff to help them go forward. And if I don't know if that means you know that you're going to bring in uh, JT and 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 Cameron Smith or or what, but I have a feeling they definitely will be a part of it. But. Um, this is, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be f- unique to watch. And, and um, I'm not the type of guy that bets against Billy Slater. Um, I've seen the guy play. I've seen his passion. I see how he carries himself. And I've seen his intellect when he talks about the game in different ways. So I'm definitely not betting against him. But very, very unique in that, in that case. 
Now, I told you a little bit about some of the shakeup at the Gold Coast Titans and that this offseason is going to bring about some change up there. Well, we, we really got some, some true news about what we're talking about because six players have not been offered contracts or will not be back with the club this year. Uh, and that starts with their starting 5'8", Tyrone Peachy, who played the last two games uh, for the team that got them into the finals and played finals round one. But Tyrone Peachy, the Peach, will not be back next season. Ash Taylor, I think we've always already seen the writing on the wall for Ash, and we have no idea uh, where he's going uh, or if he's going to have to go overseas to play his rugby league. But Ash Taylor will not be back. Mitch Rain will not be right, will not be back. Jai Whitbread, Sam Stone, and Jonas Pearson round out the six. But those are some. That's a pretty big overhaul for that team. That's a pretty big overhaul, uh, and and we'll just have to see. You know, I think they've got the coach in place uh, that's only going to get them better and better, and and I think they've got a good core nucleus that's going to make a difference uh, for that team. So I don't think that this this loss of the players that I just named are going to set them back, but you definitely want a guy like Peachy and Mitch Rain to me around that that side. Because they do provide some intangibles and, 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 and are able to coach guys up from experience. So, um, But Holbrook making some big moves up there with the Gold Coast Titans. Now, I don't know if you've heard this. I'm not going to go into detail, Shedheads, about this story. Because it, it just makes you shake your head and ask yourself, what the heck are people thinking? But after being stood down for his off-field incidents, the Canterbury Bulldogs have terminated the contract of Lachlan Lewis. This allegedly stems from Lewis... Stealing a team speaker and then trying to sell it on eBay. You heard me. Lachlan Lewis allegedly got his way in. I don't want to use the term breaking in. Into his team facility when they were not even in Canterbury, but stationed abroad in the bubble. Got a team speaker, went back to his room, went on eBay and tried to sell it. Now, I didn't know Lachlan Lewis was making $200 a week and needed all the money he possibly could get. I didn't know that. But this guy who, and I've always been a a, a pro-Lachlan Lewis guy. It worries me that Lachlan Lewis looks like when he's touched on the chin that he goes over and he gets a concussion, and you worry about that. But I thought that he has a little bit of strike. I thought he has a little bit of a... He's got a little niggle in him where he likes to get under people's skin. Um, But I think that, you know, he's got the potential to be an all right player in the league. But because of this and this termination, it looks like he's getting no interest from any any other NRL clubs. And that if he wants to continue playing the game, he's probably going to have to go overseas. Now, what we've seen is a lot of players who have gone overseas have been able to come back and ride back into town on a white horse. But that being said... There's no guarantee that he's going to go overseas and if this could be the end of his career for an indiscretion that is just ridiculous. Look it up. Uh, do your own research on it because I don't really don't want to get into huge, huge detail about this. I think it's ridiculous. But um, yeah, Lachlan Lewis losing his job with the Bulldogs because of a great eBay. He wants to make sure he keeps his eBay buyer rating high. I I don't I don't even know what to say about it. It's eh, it's people. Anyway, what else? 
Anyway, let's go into these picks. Let's go into the picks for finals week two. And like I said, these matches are going to be just off the chain. They're going to be incredible. Uh, I don't think we have any chance to see a match out of these two matches um, that are going to be a blowout whatsoever. I think you're going to see both of these, all four of these teams playing incredible footy. And really, two matches are going to, I feel, are going to go down to the wire. But we start on Friday, and I've actually got the, the times for these matches and what station they're going to be on for you guys this week, Shedheads. But Friday night, or as we should say, early morning Friday for us, uh, or not going to bed Friday for some of us, Sea uh, Eagles versus the Roosters, 4.30 a.m. on FS2, Fox Sports 2. Uh, we're going to be able to see this match. And I still haven't even picked this match yet. As I'm looking here on my notes, this to me is a pick'em. And I was hoping that as I came to uh, recording time that it was just going to hit me which way I wanted to go. And it hasn't. Um, we really want to rebound this week. Which way are we going? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, Shedheads. I'm taking the Roosters. I don't know why. I think that Turbo and I think that team has more strike right now, the Sea Eagles. But I, for some reason, feel the Sydney Roosters are going to find a way to, to win this match against the Manly Sea Eagles. I don't know how they're even going to do it. But I just think somehow the Roosters are going to advance this weekend. Now, on Saturday... We have the Panthers versus the Eels. 4.30 a.m. as well. Fox Sports 2. In the Battle of the West. Dom will be up against his cousin. Who lives at the foot of the Blue Mountains. And I think you're going to see a match that's going to have a pretty high uh, volatility rate. I think that there's going to be some very uh, testy times in this match. Both these teams do not like each other, which works well for us. But I'm going with the Penrith Panthers. I, I don't, you know, even though Mitchell Moses, it's great to see him get into form. I don't, I just can't see the Panthers losing two in a row. I'm saying this last match, they lost for the first time. Uh, the Nathan, excuse me, the Nathan Cleary's lost all season when he started and played. And I don't see them losing again. Uh, not at least to the Eels. So I've got the Panthers winning that tussle. Now, as we trans transition to the other code, we go to the AFL. The preliminary final. Shedheads. The preliminary final. I hope you got to watch both these matches. Now, the problem is, if you're not a fan of the AFL, these matches might not have held your attention for too very long. Because we had two non-predicted beatdown blowouts. Starting off with the Demons against the Cats. The Demons, 125. The Geelong Cats, 42. Wow. I did not see that happening, and by no means did I see a, 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 a veteran Cats team going down like that. Uh, the Ds couldn't miss. Uh, just just a masterful performance by, by Melbourne. And then the doggies, the road dogs, continuing their 
their world, excuse me, I shouldn't say world because we talked about this in, 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 another, in another space and in, 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 uh, area. The Australian Road Dogs, 116, the Port Adelaide Power dropping an egg at home, 45. Did not see it coming. No one should have saw that one coming. But let's go into these matches. The, per, the minor premieres, the Melbourne Demons and their captain, Max Gone, started the, excuse me, the preliminary final weekend in a way we weren't expecting. Again, by just trouncing the cats. And and it just was it was an incredible, it was an incredible match because I think we all thought this was going to be a knockdown drag out. You know, a team that hadn't been here before against a team that, you know, they're vets. I'm saying they were in the grand final last year. They 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 felt that this was their year. They were gonna do some pretty, pretty dangerous, dangerous things. They were gonna go forward. And I'm not saying dangerous a bunch of times because of Patty Dangerfield. But the D's were up 33 to 6 at the end of the first quarter. 33 to 6 at the end of the first quarter. You you just you know, like I couldn't believe it. And I think I think it was such a blow to the chin to the cats that they just they couldn't they couldn't recover from that. And they didn't slow down from there. They 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 just they went in the sheds up by 29. And again, the cats just looked out of place. They looked out of sorts. They looked confused about what they were gonna do. And the demons just continued to roll. And and then going into that, you know, that's still they they were within striking distance of getting back into the match. It was gonna take an incredible effort. For them, but they could get back into it. But the second half, again, no one could have expect no one could have expected. The D's going 10 goals to one over the Cats in the second half. 10 goals to one. And that's led and, and Captain Max Gone had five goals himself in the game. I I there's very few times that I'm speechless, but these two games had me beyond speechless. The sad part about it is because on paper, both of these matches looked like they were going to be matches that were going to be close, that were going to go down to the final siren, that who knew was going to happen, and neither one of them were this way. And the only thing you could say for the D's is they definitely put the stamp on their minor premiership that this team is here. This team is real, and this team is ready to to, to take home a flag. Um, and they're ready for the grand final. So we'll have to see. You know, Now, they will have the longest time off. They'll play, what, one match in four weeks? Three, yeah, four weeks, three weeks. You know, it's that's a lot of time to be off. So I think the coaching is going to make a huge difference. But this team has got this quiet cool about them right now, you know, that they're exactly where they're meant to be. To me, the only sad part about it is that Nathan Jones, their captain, that saw them through so much, especially those horrible downtimes that the, that the D's went through, that he was not a part of this game, this festivity, the stuff that transpired. To me, that was heartbreaking. 
Uh, and now he's left the club. He's back home, and he's announced his retirement. But uh, that would have been incredible to, for me to see Nathan Jones on the field for the D's when that siren went off, and he would have known that his beloved Demons were going to be in the grand final. To me, that was the only sour spot of the entire night. Um, but the Demons, what a performance. And then let's go to the Road Dogs and their beat down, I guess we'll say, we'll use that term again, of the Port Adelaide Power. That's right. That long pause to me was about as long as Port Adelaide was in the match. And what what is so unsettling about that is they were the one team that got to play in front of their fans for the preliminary final. They're the one team that got to sleep in their own beds, allegedly. Uh, It got to come into their, their home locker room to get ready to run out and to defend their turf, defend their field, defend their hollow ground, Adelaide Oval. And it... It was never, it was never, seconds into the match, it wasn't even a match. It was, I will say this, from the opening bounce of the game, the Bulldogs were on top. On top. They kicked the first five goals of the game. And just a lot like the Geelong Cats, that was a punch to the chin that Ken Hinckley's boys couldn't shake off. They had post-concussion syndrome within the first two punches of the match. That 44 to 7 shedheads, 44 to 7 was the score after the first quarter. And you tell me how a team is supposed to just say, "Okay, you know, that's just par for the course." All right, let's start playing some footy. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And then you have this, this, this guy going down in Western Bulldogs lore. This, this, this magician with the flowing locks. Bailey Smith kicking another four goals. Kicking seven goals the last two weeks total. Captain Marcus Ponapelli kicking two goals. The road dogs never once looked like they were intimidated. They never once looked like that the game wasn't in their control. They just took care of business. They just took care of business. Winning 116 to 45 and beating a team in their own house by 71 points is something that just it doesn't happen. It shouldn't happen. That's the number one thing. It shouldn't happen. Especially how crazy this season has been. The last two seasons because of COVID. Lockdowns. Guys getting on planes left and right. Everybody wearing masks till right before kickoff. All of that being said, I don't know what the Port Adelaide Power were doing. I don't know how Kenny Hinckley's guys could not be ready for the dogs and put in the performance that they did. You know, they have so many good players in that team. They That was the most healthy team they've had all season. And they lay an egg. And I've always been a, a, a pro Ken Hinckley guy. But after a while, you start looking and going, 
He's a good coach. You can't call him great because he hasn't won a, a, a flag. But has he taken the power as far as he can take the power? And I don't think we know. We don't know this. But it's gonna it's gonna break my heart if Travis Boak doesn't at least get to play in one grand final. Boki deserves this. I'm saying he's he's one of those guys that you just look at that you know yes you want him to get a flag, but they've been so close, and these matches they've lost in the finals have just been gut wrenching to the fan base. It's been gut wrenching. But that was the most quiet I've ever heard Adelaide Oval. And I told you how much I love that stadium. That's one of my favorite stadiums in the world. But it was the only sound coming out of that stadium was the Western Bulldogs fans losing their mind. It just, it's something that shouldn't happen. We watched it happen, but I don't know. I don't know where Port Adelaide goes from here. I don't know. You know, there hasn't been really any talk about firing Ken Hinckley. But you you think that the people and the powers that be there have to be looking and going, is this guy got it in him to take us to the next level? So we'll have to wait and see. Now, as we go into On the Mark, we've had some huge, huge, huge events that have happened uh, around the league with some, some pretty important players to their clubs. But I want to start off with this news about the grand final and the ticket sales. Uh, we all know that the grand final is going to be at Opta Stadium in Perth. First time ever. Really exciting. But the grand final sold out in nine minutes. Nine minutes. It marks the busiest sale in Ticketmaster Australia's history. And at one time, there were 180,000 people on the queue trying to get tickets. 180,000 fans were in the queue to get tickets. So, what that tells me is a lot of people say, well, we got to have some of the big, the big, you know, the big teams there. You got to have some of the big teams there. And I think this shows you right there that you don't have to have the big teams there for, for people to really want to see good footy. And I think personally, we have the best grand final match we could ask for. I think this is going to be, to say it's going to be an excellent match in my eyes is the biggest understatement that I've said to you Shedheads all, all year. This is going to be, I feel, an instant classic. And right now it's too early to call for me. And I don't have to call it right now. But we'll talk about it next week on, the, on next week's episode. Now the thing that really, I was worried about this and I can't say that I'm 100% surprised I wouldn't be making this call, but Richmond Tigers captain Trent Cotchin has relinquished his captaincy for this, the 2022 season and is stepping down. I just find it very, very hard to believe unless Cotchin's really thinking that he's about ready to ride off into the sunset, why you would have Cotchin stepping down. I know you want to bring in younger leadership, but that's what your vice captains to me are for. But you're going to try to tell me with that with number nine in that huddle, in that circle, that everyone isn't going to be listening for number nine to talk, that Trent Cotchin isn't going to still be the captain of that club. And I think he has every reason to be the captain of that club. So 
like I said, I know time happens, things change, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he didn't want that weight anymore. I don't know. But if Trent Cotchin still wanted to be the captain of the Richmond Tigers, I don't think you pull that from him. I don't think you do. So we'll have to wait and see who is named in his stead. But the, the, biggest, the biggest story is that Trent Cotchin is no longer the captain for the Richmond Tigers. Staying with Richmond, one of the funniest guys on Instagram, Twitter, whatever you want, whatever social media you want to follow, Chol. Maybe our Chol is leaving the Richmond Tigers and is taking his party, I was going to say to South Beach, right? But we can't say that. To the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast Suns. Chol signing a four-year deal to leave Richmond and to be a son. I think this is going to be a good move for Chol for whatever reason. He, I, you know, I don't know if, if he did, if he had the falling outs with Dima. I, I don't know, but I do know that he wasn't played enough for a guy that was seen as a leader for their, for their, for their younger club, for their junior club. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's an incredible pickup for the Suns. Uh, and I'm I'm very excited to see what I really feel Chol is capable of doing and taking it to competition. And who knows? Maybe the Suns are the surprise team next year. But uh, congratulations for the three-year, excuse me, four-year deal to Chol. Now, the Hawthorne Hawks and the Roos of North Melbourne have signed one-year deals to continue to play their home matches in Tasmania for next season. But this also makes a lot of people wonder what this means for Tasmania having their own official club that could be named in 2022. And I think this is this is big because I know, you know, the AFL talks about expanding the game, moving where they can, and I know that they always have uh, representation uh, in Tasmania when those clubs come down there to play games. But what happens if the AFL does decide to put a team in Tasmania? And what would that mean? The economy of Tasmania, would Tasmania support it? It looks like they would from the turnouts they've gotten from teams coming down there and also for uh, them having, you know, um, having a couple matches there for the finals this year. But uh, it's going to be interesting to watch and to see if because of COVID, uh, the the AFL is willing to name another side. So, really big, big, big news. Expansion, possibly on the horizon for the AFL. Now, as we leave the AFL and go to the guns, I've told you I'm going to give you two NRLs, two AFLs. It was a tough one. But when I started thinking about it, not as tough as it sounds. My number one gun for the NRL this week, Mitchell Moses. One try, four for five for conversions. 145 running meters, one line break, one line break assist, one try assist, five tackle breaks, 14 tackles made, and 592 kicking meters. Mitchell Moses was in flow. Mitchell Moses was on strike. Mitchell Moses was enjoying his footy. And I think that's important for Mitchell Moses because he is, he is wired tight. But when he starts getting his game and it starts coming natural and those legs start to move, 
He's special. And that's going to be really, really, really fun to watch the battle of sevens between him and Nathan Cleary on Saturday night. But uh, to lead up to that and to get there, he had to ball out. And Mitchell Moses balled out this last weekend. My number two gun, I talked about him a little bit earlier, and I was sitting back wondering, but I went and gave it to him. Victor Radley, 138 running meters, one line break assist, one try assist, two tackle breaks, and here's the big one, 49 tackles made. 49. The inflictor doing inflictor things, and possibly the asterisk and the dark horse and maybe the man behind the curtain that can get that can get South excuse me the Sydney Roosters over Manly to get them to the preliminary final. So great, great job for those two players uh, coming as my guns for the NRL. My AFL guns were a little bit easier. My number one gun, I think you guys know who I'm gonna say, Max Gone, five goals, 19 disposals, 13 kicks. Six handballs, five marks, six tackles, 33 hitouts, five clearances, 348 meters gained. What a, what an incredible game for Max. Uh, some of those some of those those goals he kicked, it looked like a, a, a howitzer shell came off his foot, how it flew through the air. Um, an incredible, incredible performance by the captain. And what do they say for captains? Lead by example. And what did Max do but led by example? So congratulations, Max gone. His first time being a gun on Outside the Shed. And I had to go with my number two gun being Bailey Smith, the new folk hero of the Western Bulldogs, the flowing locks, the guy that makes Andre Agassi look bald. Wait a second. Okay, strike that. Uh, But Bailey Smith, four goals, 23 disposals, 16 kicks, Seven handballs, one mark, three tackles, three clearances, 496 meters gained. Again, this young man looks like he's got control of all of his powers and he's playing elite footy when the dogs need him the most. Uh, and if he plays this way, you got to think that, you know, if Marcus plays well, if he plays well, uh, that they've got a real, real shot against the D's. And that's why this, this grand final is, is so exciting is because both fan bases feel that they have a really incredible chance in winning the grand final. And with that being said, that's what brings fans, puts butts in his seats, and what turns on the TV is when a lot of people think that it's their time and they're ready to win. So, Bailey Smith, my number two gun for the AFL. Now, outside the bubble... There's a lot of different direction we could go. There's a lot of stories, as you can guess. You know, the NFL starting up, college football starting up, Major League Baseball winding down, Aussie Open, so much. But I want to start off with a true champion of the game. Uh, News broke recently uh, that Greg Popovich, Team USA coach, gold medal winning coach, is not going to be brought back as the head coach for the U.S. men's national team. Popovich is 72. He probably, you know, he's probably done what he wants because if you think he stays on there, you know, he's going to be 76 and the USA's basketball coach? No, not happening. So it was probably a great time for Pop to leave 
And I don't think you're going to hear Pop complain because he got that gold medal. But the reason I brought it up is I want to really, really, really um, just give an applause and a thank you to Greg Popovich. Um, and hopefully he's going to get one big, big run left in him uh, with his San Antonio Spurs before he decides to get on old trigger and ride her off into the sunset. But congratulations, Coach, on your gold medal performance and victory this year. Now, in sad news, and it's always sad when coaches lose their jobs, but the Trojans, after losing to Stanford this last weekend, have fired their head coach, Clay Helton. And this is gonna this is gonna be very, very interesting to take in and to watch, Shedheads, because Clay Helton was very, 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 very popular with his players. And all of a sudden now, he's not gonna be there. And you just wonder how that team is going to how they're gonna react to this. Dante Williams, who was on his coaching staff, has been named the interim coach. Uh, he's been in coaching positions before. Uh, I, there's big talk that a lot of the team really likes him, but you're living dangerous when you fire a coach two games into the season. You're living very, very dangerous. So Clay Helton out as USC's head coach. And in my final story, I don't want to think you guys think that I jump on the back of the Dallas Cowboys when they're injured and choke them out like a professional wrestler putting someone in the sleeper hold. But when it's there, I got to jump on the back of a professional wrestler and choke somebody out like they're in the sleeper hold. The Dallas Cowboys, having a pretty incredible first game, taking it to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Dallas Cowboys lose another player. And I pause there because you don't even know how to say it. They've lost so much recently. The Cowboys have now lost their defensive leader, Demarcus Lawrence, to a broken foot, which is now going to see their defensive captain, their defensive leader, the guy that puts the danger in their pass rush, eight weeks because of this broken foot. And you really have to wonder, so early in the season, how these hiccups, these injuries, really, really dictate what happens for the Cowboys this season. Yes, Dak is back. But Dak's going to have to get some type of running performance from Ezekiel Elliott. And that defense is going to have to continue to play some dangerous in-your-face footy. Uh, and and I don't know. I don't know if the, if, if the Cowboys have that in them. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, if you're not a Cowboys fan, uh, like me, I can just sit back and watch. I can be Switzerland. I can sit on top of that hill and I can just eat my popcorn as I watch them go off into battle down at the at the basin of the hill. But uh, big, big news. It's, it's going to be very, very concerning. It is going to be very concerning for Cowboys fans, but it's going to be interesting for the rest of us to see if the Cowboys can find a way to win this week so they don't go 0-2, but also finish and get through the middle of their season um, with a winning record. Now, that being said, Shedheads, I, I think it's time for me to leave you. I think it's time for me to let you guys get to your dinner. I think it's time for me to release you, to maybe take a nap before uh, this evening's first match. Remember, we do not have an AFL match this weekend. We have two weeks. We have this weekend and then 
The grand final is next weekend. So it is an entire weekend for NRL footy. So you can just sit back and watch two matches because that's all we got. We got eight teams. We got down to four. We got we got four teams. We got two games. Take it in. You've got the times. You make the food. And let's get it going. But Shedheads, until next time, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. Say a prayer for your Shed Adamas that I get my picks right this week. But until this time, see ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.